Wow. Wait, what's your third movie? <clears throat> oh, The Truman Show. That's a <clears throat> yeah. Truman, Saving Private Ryan, and Lethal Weapon Four. I watched The Truman Show the other night. I have I have thoughts. I haven't seen it since the theater. Damn. Yeah. I've never seen it. Big screen down in this Florida. This is going to go great. We have a bunch of us that are like, didn't see it, didn't see it, didn't see it. <laughs> well, I said, 98 was an eventful year for me. I was busy doing a lot of drugs. A lot. That's I think as every long year as, for you. As long oh. as most people uh, saw Armageddon, I think that's really all you needed. For this no, didn't, didn't see it. In fact, that Truman Show might have been the only movie I actually watched that summer. Hmm. I did go to a rave down in Pecatonica, Illinois, that was at a uh, fairgrounds. So there was like 4,000 tripping people at this fairgrounds in a town of 4,000. It was it was delightful. I'm really glad that my back in my days about how boring life was in 1998, so all I had to do was watch movies and Ron Not me, man. partying like now. <laughs> no, fucking! I was waiting for the guy that had the liquid acid. He's like, yeah, "You got paper? Get the fuck out of here!" I get the liquid guy in here. I have a note about that. Also, like the reminder of watching these movies is that, like, how uh, boring life was, or how people wrote those movies to seem like life was so boring. Then mm-hmm. I don't know what life they were living. It does not match mine. Man, I got fear and loathing on my list, so uh, I got the counterpoint <laughs> to all good. that. You're good. Yeah. Could yeah. In be- fact, I didn't even bother rewatching it. I'm just good. I could do that whole thing from memory. Could there be a more perfect movie for Ron than that one? No, I don't think there is. Like I said I got the goddamn Hunter S. Thompson tattoo up here, so it's not uh, not a fluke. Now so that Ron, Go Ron did you ever read Hunter S. Thompson books? Yeah, I've got about three of them upstairs. I've read Fear and Loathing a couple of times just to. Because uh, I, I can pick out the differences from the movie. <clears throat> so I really wanted to read it just to see, like, what little things they left out, what stuff uh, that you saw was just context. Because there's a lot of shit they're doing that you just have to assume. They don't tell you. And then you read the book and it's like, oh, here's a specific list of all the shit they're on. And, yeah, I've got a couple other ones, but I haven't gotten real far in them. I think one of that's that's one of the beauties that that movie actually came out to give an idea of like that probably gave Hunter S. Thompson a push. You oh, know, I'd never heard of like, it. I was eight, 18, 19. Yeah. Like you got to look at his books now at like when that happened. And you're looking at books that honestly look like they're as thick as like, I, don't, I mean, like they're, the great shark hunt is this thick. Oh, I don't have that one. It's, it, it, you know, like that dude. <clears throat> Not only uh, really insightful, but also extremely prolific in the way he put out um, stream of consciousness kind of stuff. Well, and I think he changed the way a lot of media is dealt with. I still have, uh, was it a fear and loathing on the campaign trail, 72, that I'm kind of in the middle of that one. But he literally... Uh, went to some reporter and said, hey, you know, there's rumors that this one candidate was taking these weird South American psychedelic drugs. And somebody asked him later, he's like, what do you mean? Where'd you hear the rumors? He's like, oh, I didn't say I heard it. I said there were rumors. And I know there were rumors because I started them. So it's like (laughs) he starts a rumor and then turns around and cites it as a thing to ask the question. And apparently, dude started sweating bullets. It took him right off the campaign. Like by the end, they're not giving him access like they are in the beginning. Different era of covering uh, or being a media person, for sure. Yeah, yeah. Now that I've had a bad mushroom trip, should I watch Fear and Loathing? 
will I appreciate it more? Or? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Just the scene where they're trying to check into the hotel. You'll appreciate that. Like, <clears throat> those hard ones for me to really get into. The I'm book sorry. was a lot harder to read than the movie was to watch. Really? I see. I did yeah. it in the reverse order. Yeah. The book. Yeah, totally. Huh? Yeah. Like I said, I, I explained it. My brother's seen it at a handful of times and he wasn't a big fan. So a couple of years ago, I basically walked him through. It was like, no, here's what you're missing. It's <laughs> they don't explicitly say, but they're just fucking with people. They're high on drugs, fucking with anybody they can fuck with and starting weird. Like I'll touch on that when we get into it, but yeah, there's some current Current ties to to that movie. Oh, no joke. I would like everyone to appreciate Justin's tank top also. (laughs) Well, that's a good note to start on right there. Freaks and geeks, drinkers, thinkers, ramblers and gamblers, stoners and pet owners. Gather around. This is the Outsider Social Club, where us misfits, miscreants, outcasts get together and ramble, palaver, prattle, and get royally intoxicated while we do so. So without further ado, uh, let's proceed. One for the party, baby. Pop on the road, drumming. Knock back a drink. There's nobody home. Welcome back to the Outsider Social Club. I'm your master of ceremonies, Drinks with Ron, and I am getting ready to go back to 1998. Usual rules apply for the crew and the listeners. You drink if you hear a dog or a cat or a bong. And uh, the over-under for hearing dogs is 1.5. Speaking of over-unders, Troy, the godfather of drinks, what is the over-under on the beverages for tonight's shenanigans? You know, Ron, tonight's shenanigans are near and dear to my heart. I mean, Summer of 1998 was really my jam. And so I saw a lot of great movies then. And I want to be focused on this episode and give it all my all. So tonight's over-under is a mere three whiskey drinks for me. Okay. So three whiskey drinks. Um, but as I was thinking about this whole thing about movies, I want to throw back to one of my earlier days. My first movie memory that has stuck with me forever. Let me share with y'all. My parents hated each other. They didn't care much for me. But in 1991, we went and saw the movie Arthur together. And it was terrible and embarrassing. <laughs> back to you, Ron. Well done. Uh, and speaking of uh, movie memories... When we're going to go around here and introduce the crew, everybody's going to throw down a movie memory. Uh, so that being said, let's go down to Justin. Uh, what, do you, what, do you, what do you got? What's going on, guys? I was just thinking uh, about a movie that me, my dad, and uh, my brother went to go see, which is a great little thriller called uh, Sphere with Dustin Hoffman, Samuel L. Jackson. And I just came in to find out recently that when I'm having a panic attack, that movie is what calms me down somehow. So... Definitely glad to remember that movie with my dad and my brother. But if it helps my panic attack, really, I'll take it. (laughs) Well done. Hashi, movie memory for the people. Well, I'll set the stage here. The year was 2005. I was uh, 16 years old. I was working at a KFC A&W in Bellingham, Washington. Oh, My boss came up to me and uh, told me that he had two tickets to see... Star Wars Episode 3, opening night, Hmm. May 19th, 2005. So I got the tickets, and I quizzed my friends, and I had them do a contest of who was the biggest Star Wars fan. My friend Morgan ended up winning. We went to the the movie opening night. She fell asleep. 
oh. in the theater because that movie was trash. And I remember it was the first time I've ever seen a movie where I openly yelled at the screen because it was the <laughs> shittiest movie imaginable. Uh, well done. Can Yikes we do Mountain. A, can we do a Star Wars pod, by the way? I'm done. I'd, be, I'd be down for that. Troy probably yes. is busy that night, but uh, <laughs> but I'm in. Uh, yikes, you have a, a movie memory for the dozens and dozens of listeners? Well, Ron, I, I hate to say this again, but I think that I take it back to 1986's Platoon. Ah. Remember that? I mean, I'm sorry, everybody. This is not an uplifting story. No, I but, saw that when I was seven, so I, I'm with you. I mean, like, it's just one of those movies that, like, uh, like, you know, I mean, it, you know, it's like it's when your parents used to think that movies were history. So, anyway, back well, to back to that, control. That was a dog somehow. I don't know what that sound was. It was a dog being trapped behind paneling. But uh, anyway, before I throw it over to Joe to get the episode rolling, my my movie memory. I remember. Uh, probably about 16, 17, and I finally got up the nuts to ask this chick out. So I called her up and, hey, you want to go see a movie? And I got the shoot down. So I called my buddy and was like, ah, well, you know, at least I finally got the pair to try it. And she's busy, so whatever. So me and him go to a movie. And uh, as we walk in, I, I get to see this chick sitting there with some other guy. So I'm like, oh, oh, I got you. Uh, this is going to be a fun movie. I'm going to sit right in front of these assholes. Uh, uh, what movie was it? Um, yeah. Lord, Lord of Illusions. It's uh, in the first couple minutes, you've got a baboon trying to maul a small child as some guy juggles fire. It was uh, it was memorable. I definitely. May, uh, may I ask follow up questions? Please. Did you invite her to that movie so she knowingly went to that movie with no, else? no. And I'm in a small town, so I'm in one small town. She's in a different small town. The movie theater is in another town in another state. We happen to wind up at the same shitty movie, 60 miles from where I fucking called her up. And I'm wearing this giant ostentatious blue fishing hat, which I was uh, famous for. So, yeah, when I walked by her, she knew that I was sitting right up in front of her. So, I like, well, Justin, I bet Justin would like that hat. Uh, um, how so did Ron? Okay. Quick so call on her. So, how okay, was it? Real quick. It was shitty. Oh. Shitty. Ron, Ron had an interstate date in 1998. <laughs> Let's just remember. Uh, I was like 96, and no, I never pulled it off. I tried. I tried. Please. Spoiler alert, Meg 2, The Trench, coming out soon. I star in it. Stay here for reviews. Oh, that might be a teaser of movies that Troy stars in. Uh, just we'll, we'll come back to that. But uh, Joe, Joe Vegas, the final member of the crew to get an introduction, this is actually your episode. The summer of 98, uh, I was... Uh, 19, I just finished broadcasting school. I'm living in Madison where weed was legal. Good times, good times. Uh, it, was. it was legal? It was legal in your household? No, yeah. in Madison. Madison's got a city ordinance. Anything what? under an ounce, you're fucking, yeah, that's why I moved there after high school. Like, it's, uh, a, it's, a, it's a parking ticket. They take your weed and write you a ticket and away you go. Amazing, Ron, that we are the was. same age yet very, very, very different. Uh, also, <laughs> different places, man. My movie experience, movie theater experience, memorable. I have two. My first one was Batman Returns in 1992. I was 12 years old. It was the first movie I've gone to on opening night. Uh, stood in line to get into. And then my second movie theater experience that I will always remember is more of a life event. 
It was December of 1997. Titanic, oh. of course. Uh, don't, don't know if it's still the biggest box office movie of all time. It might Avatar. Which, so at the time, obviously, it was the biggest uh, box office money maker, whatever we say. I don't think it was officially the most tickets that was gone with the wind, but uh, biggest money maker of all time at the time. I saw Titanic in a theater four times. Jesus. Um, and I learned earlier that you guys, most of you have not seen it at all. Nope. Okay. Well, it was one of those, like, I wonder what happens to the boat. Like, should I watch this? It was Avatar. Endgame's uh, too. Okay. Yikes, she's right. that girl. She's smoking. Is she your friend? <laughs> Who? Who has not seen Titanic? Movie re- review coming up quick. Great for a uh, audio medium. Question for you. I, I put a background in my in my Zoom, and I didn't ask for it to be topical. I just put it there. Question for you, yikes. Julian Anderson, uh, one of the stars of the X-Files. Is she hot or is she late 1990s hot? Is Uh, there a difference? Yes, there's a difference. Stop your slander. Yeah, we will get that that in my review of the X-Files. Wonderful. I don't want to... No, that's a horrible question. Yeah, it's a horrible question also. Why? We might all drive there and fight you. Yeah. Okay, I'm sorry for all the Julian Anderson fans out there. Yeah. Or or if there are no Jillian Anderson fans, not sure. You try and find me a sexier uh, uh, couple than Jillian Anderson and David Duchovny. <laughs> find mm. it for me. I'm, I'm going to do drugs uh, about well, that. I do. I do review the movie Out of Sight later with George Clooney and Jennifer Lopez. Nope. 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 <laughs> nope. Nope. Okay. All right. So she's still going into my review. So we got to. We got to. We got to get off this. All right, all right, all right. So for those of you in our audience who are listening, this is going to be a Joe driving session. So if you are not a fan of me, now is the time to turn it off and just skip the episode because we're going to be talking movies. We're going to be talking 1998 movies. We're going to be talking summer of 1998 movies and the lead up to it. So Love it. I am going to get right to it. And we need to talk about PTSD. What do I mean by PTSD, everybody? I mean post-Titanic sorrow days <laughs> or post-Titanic sucks days. Okay, uh, One or it's the other. Now, a little history lesson on the movie that is Titanic, one of my life events. On December 19, 1997, Titanic was released and changed the world. By the way, it was the same release date as Tomorrow Never Dies and Jackie Brown. Ouch. I got Ooh. stories about that. Uh, go, go on. Oh, well, I wanted, I, as a kid, I loved Goldeneye. Very excited about the next uh, Bond movie. And I wanted to see Tomorrow Never Dies. Well, my family, they wanted to see Titanic. So what did we go to opening night? Titanic. I, as a child, was like, this movie fucking sucks. Rah! It's oh, long. Go ahead. At least you're a part of history, money-making history. You contributed well, to the whatever billion dollars it made. The post-Titanic sucks disorder is just because that was an overrated movie, and there was enough room on that goddamn door. 
Okay, what we're gonna hell? we're gonna get to we're gonna get to the overrated part in just a second. Okay. Domination, 15 straight weeks at number one. Mm-hmm. Can you imagine a movie now being number one for 15 straight weeks? Can anyone here name the movie that dethroned it from number one? Anyone? Ooh. Any guesses? So, so this would Avatar? have been... Well, no, no, just from number one. This was a 1998 release movie that took Oh, the one that took it off in, in April? Oh. Yes. So it was probably in April. So I'm going to say, uh, was 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 it? Uh, I want to say it was Armageddon. But I don't know. It was not Armageddon. Armageddon. Chasing Amy. Later release. Chasing ah! Amy. Good guess. <laughs> uh, you guys weren't going to get it. It is Lost in Space. Yes. Oh, shut the oh, front wow. door. Forever holding up popular to this shit. day, Lost in Space. Never saw it. Never will. I got that. I bought a DVD player in like '99, and it came with that movie, and I still never fucking watched it. I like that. I bet we all Fuck have you, those DVD. movies where you get two, but you didn't really want the two. You just wanted. Yeah. Like you're just trying to get rid of this, aren't you? And somehow it was cheaper than just buying the one. Didn't make any sense. Yeah, it came with five, five free DVDs. Very bizarre. I've seen this movie. Huh? Is it wow. any good? Upset. No. Okay. All but right. It had a huge budget, didn't it? I yes. think so. Yes. Yeah. Giant right. budget. And, and it was, yeah. All right. So let's talk about PTSD. You either love Titanic and you were sad to see it go after so much popularity, or by that time you hated Titanic because it had been so popular for four straight goddamn months and you couldn't wait for it to be gone. So this movie, I believe, the vitriol for this movie, I haven't seen anything quite like it. And for the song, My Heart Will Go On, it went from being the number one song in the world to the most hated song of all time in a matter of weeks. I nominate to you the movie Home Alone as another one that that went that route. Home Alone mm-hmm. came out and it was a worldwide phenomenon until Macaulay Culkin became the most annoying kid on this earth and everybody hated it. But now everybody loves it again. And now no one will admit to hating Home Alone. No, it's amazing. Of course. But guess what? There was a period where people hated Home Alone. I don't know how people feel about Titanic. No, I think it's I think it's widely loved still, except for the whole door thing. I assume. Um, yeah. But uh, give me, if anyone has a take on a movie that was loved and then despised, uh, lay it mm. on me. Well, I would say really quickly that I did despise Titanic. Like, I didn't want to watch that movie. I don't know what was going on in 98. A lot of this reviewing of movies from 98 is being like, what was I thinking? But I did not want to see that movie. And I have said this before. I lived in Montana. They didn't show that movie. So I didn't have access. Like, the internet was not out. I actually wasn't able to go to see this movie physically. I don't think Hmm. I believe that. That seems, yeah. There was a place that didn't show it, really? Have you ever been to Whitefish, Montana? <laughs> Is that near Big Mountain? That got the loser game show sound? Damn. I don't think that deserved it either. No. That's that, fair. Like, That's oh. fair. I, I'm saying that, like, at that time, like, there were only two movies in the theater, and it, for some reason, they made the decision to not have titanic in the theater so i well clearly it wasn't doing very well at the box office so uh, (laughs) yeah uh good 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 segue ron do you want to know just how dominant it was besides 15 straight weeks at number one 
That movie remained in the top 10 until June 19th, 1998, when mm. X-Files was number one. Oh, shit. That particular week, it still made $1.6 million and averaged at number 11, still made $1.6 million and averaged more per theater than Deep Impact and Godzilla, which had just been released mm. maybe a few weeks before. Wow. Yeah. Utter, yeah. Utter dominance. I don't think we have the attention span to go to movies seven months later in this era, six, seven months later. It's weird. Um, maybe even six, seven weeks later. Um, which leads me into question. How many oh, weeks ago was 1998? How many what? Oh, How many weeks ago was 1998? Well, it was 25 years ago. Mm, so more than seven weeks, 52. Yeah. We should all watch Titanic. Wait, 1,000. 254. I'd rather be his whore than your wife, sir. I think Hash has got it right. Hold on a minute. All right, well. First of all, Troy, that was an amazing impression. (laughs) For for some reason, Kate Winslet is now Southern and not English. I would have liked that movie more. Let's be real. (laughs) Like, like put Southern accents on everyone and just, I do declare. (laughs) Everybody's got a different accent. I think come the back coming Iceberg. I think we'll draw we your picture and do it that way. Seriously. All right. Uh, let's forget Titanic. about it. Yeah. I got one more Titanic stat. All right. Does anyone know the significance of March 13, 1998? Of course not. Oh, it's really uh, high. Titanic was number one at the box office. Number two was Man in the Iron Mask. Which means that this is likely the only time in movie history that one actor has had movies one and two while playing three different characters, all of them the main character. Never going to be done again. Wow. Go, Leo. You know what? I'm giving it the sound effect. That's that's true. That's that's fair. Okay. All right. So so we're going through these chronologically by release date. Is that how this is going down? Yes, sir. So we are past we are past PTSD. However mm-hmm. you feel about Titanic, I disagree with Hash. I don't think there was enough room on the door. They tried. I don't. I mean, I just don't think there it was. Be. But there wasn't. They fell over. Mm-hmm. Physics, you know. Nope. I mean, I also have a different take on it. If he survived, they're broken up like two weeks later. She's like, oh, hands down. She's yeah. like, oh, yeah. Jack, I don't live like this under bridges and shit. No. Yeah. Okay. So, no, that was it was that was a vacation hookup. You know what I mean? It's that was yeah. one of those like you meet said person at a resort and you guys are there for four days. I had to find double you... occupancy. You know what I'm saying? Hey. <laughs> He's the turn of the century equivalent of the uh, Cabo hand job. That's there we go, Jack. Yeah. In in '98, we considered that a really great love story. Do you think teenagers now consider it a great love story? Or they ain't watching something that long. Do teenagers know what love is now? I feel like it's still kind of popular, don't you think? No, it's kind of a popular movie. Yikes, well, you got something? Was, what we were talking about, love being, love being popular or not. Never mind. I, I, I honestly just really like the comment that said, do teenagers uh, understand love anymore? Something in that context. That's That's good. Well, I mean, Hash, I would rip on the youth of today, but do I really understand it? I mean, I'm, <laughs> I'm 44 and I've screwed it up for a long time. So, well, I'm ready to jump into the way back machine to 25 years ago and see uh, what the hell was going on. All right, Ron, hold your horses just a second. 
All right. Jesus Christ. Before we get to the summer of 98, which is one of my favorite uh, when it comes to movies, the spring of 98, this is post-PTSD, okay? We're moved on from Titanic a little bit. All right. The spring of 98 sucked. Just how bad? Well, with apologies to these gems, Wedding Singer, Big Lebowski, Man in the Iron Mask, Wild Things, and He Got Game, we had to suffer through the shit fest that was U.S. Marshals, Primary Colors, Meet the Deedles, Newton Boys, Lost in Space, Mercury Rising, My Giant, Species 2, City of Angels, Major League 3, Back to the Miners, The Object of My Affection, Sliding Doors, The Big Hit, Black Dog, and Les Miserables. Whoa. Okay. I will stand for no George Mirasan slander. I think Hash has something. I was going to say U.S. Marshals underrated movie. Still not very good. Maybe no, it's good. What do you, it's great. It's a great movie. What are you talking about? It, compared to the Fugitive, you're not. But it's you a, can't. You can't do that. You it's can't, like a you sequel. Can't compare though. it. Yeah, but it is and it isn't. It's a sequel with everyone but Harrison Ford. So I mean, it's like in the same universe, but it's not really a sequel. Apologies, I still think it's a good. Like, apologies. Get off my said. plane. Apologies, Wesley. <laughs> okay. But do we agree that the Jones suck? Badass. Yes, I agree. Yes, with that. yes. And everyone, I had, I had no uh, uh, qualms with. It's an unequivocal uh, shit show. Unequivocable. I'll like stand that. for Major League Three. Mm-hmm. I was a fan of that movie. It's it's but okay. It's okay. It's just it's, it's one's a classic, two's okay. I couldn't even bring myself to watch three. Justin, find a baseball movie you don't like. Uh, that's a good question. Oh, that's a good yeah. question. You, you got to play the player sometimes. That, that is a we just got him in one, right? There. No, no, yeah, that's a winner no. right there. That's He's probably going to say fever pitch, Mister Three Thousand. What? Oh. Selick? No, not, that's that's Bernie Mac. Bernie Mac. Yes, Bernie yeah. Mac. Yes, that movie was terrible. You got to love Bernie Mac. I they used to Bernie work Mac. with as an umpire in that movie, uh, like a second base umpire or some shit. What's right, the Tom guys. Selleck baseball? Fever. Oh, it's Mr. Baseball. That's right. Uh, yeah. yeah Fever pitch is not great neither, though. Mr. 3000 is better than Mr. Baseball. I don't know. Uh, it's hilarious because he's very tall. Yeah. Wait. He hits his head on things because they're very short over there, and that's hilarious. Okay. What about the Brendan Fraser baseball movie? That's the worst. The Scout? The Scout? Oh, man. Uh, Pretty fucking bad. I don't think Fever Pitch is a baseball movie, even though it's centered around baseball. I, I don't think you can call it a baseball movie. Is Die Hard a Christmas movie? He, <laughs> well, that's, I that's a different genre. I'll allow it. Let's go. I say Red uh, Sox suck, sex, breathing. <laughs> Drew Barrymore. <laughs> All right, there. Ron. I'm gonna ask. I'm gonna ask for a brief pee break. Oh uh, well. Let the decree go forth. It is time to pee. You're listening to the Outsiders Social Club on the Half Ass Podcast Network. Did you know that? We're going to go to Joe for a back in my day. But before we do, this is actually sponsored. And and it ties into the movie theme. There's a new release coming out this summer. And they've thrown down some coin to sponsor this bit. So uh, I'll just play it. In a world with no kids, no pets, and no plants, his friends know Troy as a mild-mannered podcaster. But what they don't know may be keeping them alive. In a former life, his name was Frank. He was a teamster working for the mob, moving bootleg goods. He knows how to get anything you need. 
he's driven a semi from Medellin to Halifax in 24 hours. The record has still never been broken. He parlayed his knowledge of the operations into a new life and turned himself in in exchange for immunity. Changing his name and moving to a new rural community. No one knew Troy kept a few containers full of Cuban rum. But every now and then the CIA contacts him for just one more job. Get me Troy! But the one condition of his return to action was this time he's tying up all the loose ends. A poet he is, a former man of great power, a hidden kingpin. He only speaks in haiku when he kills. Got you in my sights. No quarter, no escape. Organize your affairs. In theaters this summer, prepare to be silenced by... I came here to eliminate targets and mow grass. And I have AstroTurf. The Muter. There we go. A new blockbuster coming your way. Sponsoring this uh, back in my day bit. How is anyone going to top that? Seriously. (laughs) That was the greatest thing I heard in my life. That was amazing. I kind of want to listen to it again. (laughs) I I wish that trailer had been worse. Liam Neeson is Troy. Yeah, that'll lead us into the back in my day. Ladies and gentlemen, uh, well, I guess just gentlemen, because Coley couldn't make it. Uh, in honor of the one and only Greg Cody, I take you to a better time. And now, brought to you by this summer's blockbuster, The Muter, The Outsider's Social Club proudly presents Joe Vegas with Back in My Day. Anyone got anything? Drum roll. Uh, let's see, I'm looking for it. How about how about this? Wait, wait, okay, there we go. <laughs> Perfect. Yeah, digging Perfect. deep. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Movies. The late '90s, early 2000s. Oh, what a time to be alive! A simpler time, if you will. I'd venture a guess that if you were to time travel from now to then, you may just die of boredom. No smartphones to be glued to. Very few cell phones at all. The internet was not yet a place in which we lived 24-7. The effort it took to find your way somewhere, establish and maintain relationships, or simply check the score of a game seems exhausting in retrospect. How did we live like this? What did we do for entertainment? Well, the number one answer to that is always booze, Ron. <laughs> but perhaps the number two answer was the booming business of the local cinema. We didn't know it at the time, but the movie theater business was at its peak, and it was a great place to go for something to do. Back in my day, the movie theater was the place to go for date night, especially on a Friday night when a variety of new films would be released. But it wasn't like the movie theater as you know it now. First, when you got to the theater, you stood in a line to buy your tickets. There was no way of purchasing ahead of time. And could the movie possibly be sold out? You bet your ass it could be, but you wouldn't know until you got there. A real gamble. After the ticket line, you stood in another line to get your snacks. Make sure you choose the popcorn and soda size that will hold you over throughout because there were no refills back then. Oh, yeah. And what the hell kind of a person leaves the theater to go and get a refill during a movie they spent all this time and effort to go to? Sociopath, if you ask me. You may then stand in a third line before getting to your theater, depending on how busy the night is, waiting to present the ticket you've already purchased but is meaningless at that moment to the person who undoubtedly takes their job more seriously than anyone else at the theater. A word to the wise, do not mess with the ticket taker. 
no. Seeing patrons turned away for losing their ticket or for bad behavior in this line. No movie for you. Well, you finally arrived at the theater, and before the previews have started. Thank God for that, because once the lights go down, you'll need night vision goggles to see if you need to go to the bathroom. Also, we didn't have the luxurious stadium seating you're used to now. With the invention of such a thing, the creator of movie theater seating didn't much consider comfort or space architecturally. Our apologies to those six foot or taller. You were absolutely coming out of the movie with sore legs. And now you're ready to embark in the film. No, not in 3D. I don't think these movies were even in HD. Also, what have you heard about this movie? Imagine going into a movie and having no idea how good or bad it's going to be. Yes. Back in my day, there were no movie reviews online. If you wanted to get any idea of that, you needed a subscription to your local newspaper. Then you needed to find the movie section and see what your local movie critic thought of it. Talk about the power of God in one person's hands. My local critic was a bit inconsistent in what he liked and didn't and why. But one thing he was consistent in was using big words that most people didn't know. And remember, we didn't have dictionary.com to quickly find the meaning. So most of the time, I said screw it to the review. But not the movie section, because how else would I know where or what time the movie was playing? Movie phone was still in its infancy, but wow, what a game changer that was. Oh, I miss the days of when going to the movies was a risk. And no, not the kind of potentially deadly risk they are now. Movie trailers are meant to make a film look appealing, which is why you chose to see it. So it was pretty often that you'd show up to a movie blind and left having just seen one of the worst movies ever made. You think I haven't seen Batman and Robin, The Cell, or Speed 2 Cruise Control in the theater? Lord of Illusions. But we didn't look at it as a loss. Multiple films were released each week and brand new ones just seven short days later or sometime sooner. I saw 21 different movies in the theater in the summer of 98, and looking back, I can safely say that I couldn't have found a better use of my time. I saw movies I wanted to see, or were dragged to, by a girl. I saw them pretty inexpensively, and the worst thing I dealt with was leaving a theater with sticky shoes thanks to soda spiller behind me, and one incident of nacho cheese in my hair. I had no preconceived notions of how good or bad the movies were going to be, which means there was only one critic that mattered that summer, me. I decided what movies I liked or didn't, and I never chose to see or not see a movie based on word of mouth. A simpler time, for sure, where what we've heard didn't dictate our entire existence. Sure, it's simpler to stream a movie or find it illegally while watching it on our couch, but I won't lie, I miss the good old days. And it makes me sad to think that the movie theater experience will never be what it was back in my day. Well done. You know what? I gotta sit this dog down. Huzzah! Huzzah! Let's. You guys got original audio killed? I didn't hear any of those applause. I think we need better applause than that. Let's try this again. Who let the dogs out? (laughs) There we go. Uh, I'm well sweating, done. sweating bad. Very, oh, very well done. No, that was that was great. I agree. I, I, I yeah. This is what happens when your back is injured and you have nothing to do. Well, the movies like it's okay. So you're sitting there watching a movie from 1998 and 2023, mm-hmm. and it is shocking. And I will reveal this in a couple of my reviews, but like. There's just such a dynamic change in terms of like, I don't know. It's just like it totally, it's mind bo- mind blowing in the way that like we uh, we have just uh, completely 
Well, whatever. <laughs> I think I, I think I know what you're saying. Yeah, well done. Yes. Yeah, thank you. I like the fact yes. that they made movies that now wouldn't be worth the time of studio, no. right? No, it's no just, way. It's just a movie with really no concept and. You know, you, you could just make movies for cheaper, you know, cheaper than, you know, a Marvel movie, obviously. And you just hope that more people show up than what you spent on the budget. So and it was it was not really a big deal. You know, it was but you're not getting much original content now writing wise because mm-hmm. everything is about making money. So uh, with that in mind, Ron, poverty back in my day, movies didn't care about making money. They just cared about making little Joe happy. <laughs> Wow, your back in my day is already better than mine. Thanks, Troy. <laughs> All right, we're going to get into it. We're finally here at the 1998 Summer Movies list. Damn. One thing I did want to say, summer. when I think of Summer Movies, I think of blockbusters and big stars. However, 1998 was missing the following actors uh, from Summer Movies. Brad Pitt didn't have a movie. Tom Cruise, who inexplicably... Went from 96 Jerry Maguire to 99 Eyes Wide Shut. Anyone remember that? Uh, Will Smith. Yeah. Will Smith also, after Bad Boys, Independence Day, and Men in Black, did not have a 98 movie. Uh-huh. Uh, Julia Roberts, because we have to include a woman because we're bad at including women usually. We are. We suck at that. Uh, Mark Wahlberg, who did the big hit in the spring, one of the worst movies ever made. And Nicole Kidman, oh. who did Practical Magic in the fall, which was bad but could have been a summer movie i feel like maybe it's because it was halloween they brought it out but so compete with godzilla well i mean who who does right but don't give away ron don't give away the goods (laughs) so we're gonna get to it folks i purposely said the summer did not start until friday may 8th yikes mountain tried to fight me on that and say that he got game was a summer movie i disagreed vehemently and so friday may 8th 1998, what was released? Deep Impact. Yikes. The floor is yours. Okay. So I remember uh, kind of liking this movie and watching it in retrospect is really interesting because it dealt with a uh, existential crisis in a very calming, weird way. In the fact that like, Basically, we had all these moments where it was like, okay, there's a comet coming to Earth, and everyone watched all this shit together on TV or in Times Square. Like, this idea that, like, we all watch TV at the same time. I thought that was very, very interesting. Um, Also, the lead character suddenly takes over MSNBC. MSNBC was part of that movie. So at the very end of this movie, where it's clear that like half the world is going to live and the other half is not, hmm. uh, Taya Leone, who I think is oh. actually a pretty good comedic actor in the way that she's kind of physical comedy. She has moments in this film where I'm like, I think she's laughing about the context of it. But um, at the very end, she says, I was 11 when I took $32 from your wallet to her father. Her father responds, when you were a baby, I once dropped you on her head. And then shortly thereafter, the entire eastern shore of the United States demolishes. It was a little bit weird. But I I do like that film. Uh, It shows most of the cast dying. Um, 
it does show reality of like what would happen if a nuclear bomb ended up in the ocean. Yeah, it was good. Also, uh, Robert Duvall and Morgan Freeman. If you could cast them in anything. Okay. Morgan Freeman would always be the president. And Robert Duvall would always be his right-hand man as an astronaut. Sometimes I just miss my friend Andy. Yeah. And, and not to take you off track here, but Tia Leone, short bleached hair in this? Uh, yeah. 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 Okay. yeah. There's, there's a scene where Future callback. Yeah. yeah. She's sitting out on like a bus stop and it's raining. And that's pretty much late 90s. Mm, yeah. Yep. In a nutshell. Played some yep. Mazzy star behind her. 349 million at the box office. Uh, guys it made uh obviously had the you know was the first one so they didn't have much to compete with but you brought up some interesting things is there a more poor leading cast than tia leone and elijah wood this is pre-lord of the rings elijah wood but that's not the leading cast like that's that's weird about it is that tia leone is the leading cast robert duvall is should be the second person. Elijah Wood's thing is just out here. Like at the very end, he's on a motorcycle and somebody <laughs> like throws him a baby and he's like, yeah, let's go. You like, gotta watch this. You got to land a motorcycle with a baby. That is correct. That is true. Sold me. Amazing. So uh, when a couple years later, when he was the Lord of the Rings, you didn't find it that far fetched. You already saw him get away. On a motorcycle. I, I, I don't think I put those two two things together entirely wow. because it felt like Elijah Wood was way before that as I watch this now. Uh, I I do... Um, yeah, I'm with you, Mr. Frodo. Yes, entirely. I just have one follow-up to your Morgan Freeman. Uh, I nominate Don, Danny Glover as a better black president in... 2012 than oh. Morgan Freeman and Deep Impact. Wow. I'm not sure I logged on to have this conversation with you about that, but um, that's, Keep that's Dave. fair. Keep One Dave. thing I can say about Deep Impact, female director. Oh, I was oh. going to say this. I have some stats on that, actually. I'm sorry. Please. You rule. Um, for one decade, she was the only female director of a film um that she had the biggest opening for a weekend in a female directed film for 10 years damn and and that film was twilight the beater Misogyny. that's a very good stat also i know it was 1998 so effects have come a long way since then i actually think the wave and all the stuff they did was pretty awesome i think it holds up pretty nicely effects wise <laughs> Uh, not perfect, but uh, as you guys know, I love end of the world movies, so uh, I enjoyed it. Well, it may come you, up again. Is I it, would uh, say, oh, go ahead, go ahead, Dex. I would say just on that aspect, like it, the the whole film didn't seem very like sci-fi, like over like like big effects kind of. It was so much more in the idea, like that's the whole deep impact, like. Like angle is they were trying to talk about like interpersonal relationships in that movie, and that was actually the reason for the title, I think, because because oh. at the very end, like they didn't have the biggest deep impact of the film. 
No, no. it was the friends was, we made along the way. It was about like, it, it, again, ex- existentialism. Like I literally idea. never thought of that till this moment. Twenty five. Yeah, well, well, I mean, like, well, thank you. I think I think that's why at the very end, like Taylioni turned to her father and said, "When I was eleven, I took two thirty two dollars from your wallet." And her dad turns to her on the beach, which is about to kill the entire East Coast, and says, I once dropped you on your head when you were a baby. That's how that scene goes. What do you think she spent the $32 on? 11. Candy bars? Crack cocaine. Mm -hmm. I mean, Ron, not everyone grows grows up in Wisconsin. Jesus, man. Hey, we didn't get cracked till way later. That was... Took a while. Took a while. Very well done, Yikes. Uh, Well done, Yikes. I enjoyed Deep Impact. My biggest thing against Deep Impact is that it takes like 15 to 20 minutes too long to get going, right? It takes like 35 minutes to get going, kind of where, you know, with the whole whatever conspiracy, but... Much like this podcast. Wow. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> no, no one's no one's gonna argue with that one. So we're moving on. Friday, May fifteenth. A couple releases that came out that we're not gonna cover: the Horse Whisperer. Thank God. Oh, thank Jeebus. And Quest for Camelot, which was for something that Justin would probably take his children to if mm. today was nineteen ninety eight. And a third one, Bullworth, which oh. at the last second I decided to cover instead of Yikes. It's a piece the of one shit. rule. The one rule, boys, is that if you don't like the movie, we're not going to spend much time on it. So this one is going to be quite short. <laughs> Bullworth. My notes are the following. Number one, racist and tone deaf. Mm-hmm. Warren Beatty uses the N-word and it's portrayed as him fitting in. This That is very uh, not with the times. Maybe it was more in 1998, but it did not uh, age very well. Uh, two, the one positive about the movie it was a crazy good soundtrack, which mm. I think we'll get into yeah. with some of these soundtracks this summer. Ghetto Superstar, there was uh, there Kill, it is, Ice Cube. Um, that's why I remember the movie oh. was because of the soundtrack. Right, that's really I think that is the only reason to mm-hmm. uh, to remember it. Um, I found it funny that Warren Beatty basically considered rapping rhyming words at the end of sentences together that's that was his portrayal of rap music at the time for his you know uh whatever it is congressman in crisis you know i think they're trying to show him as out of touch white politician i think maybe some of that cringe is intentional yeah well maybe i think that when it did a little more and then my third point is it basically ended Warren Beatty's career. He's really done nothing, <laughs> he's, he's really done nothing since. He hasn't. Uh, he wrote, he was, directed, and started it. Yeah, but he was. But he was hasn't it's been ridiculous. anything. It's a triple he, threat piece of shit. It was. <laughs> it's basically rich white Hollywood telling us, showing yep. us race relations, and uh, not in a good way. Uh, I got a hot take. That's on Ghetto Superstar. Trash. Ooh, that is a hot take. I know. I don't got was, a problem with that. It was take. the rage at the time. It was a very popular song. Yeah. Yep. I done had to play it a lot of times. All right. Fair enough. 
I can't I can't disagree because I like what's on the radio usually, so I can't. That doesn't mean I know music, as you know. Joe knows music. Podcast coming soon. That would be a really, really, really fucking bad podcast. All right, we're moving on. We're only moving on. We're moving on to four days later. Godzilla released on Tuesday. I was going to say Tuesday release? Shit. Tuesday, May 19th, 1998. Hash, you have volunteered to take this movie on. Yes, this movie, uh, very significant for me. I remembered seeing it, you know, maybe opening weekend or something like that with my cousin. And we bought the soundtrack, and the soundtrack was, uh, you know, it was back in the day when I was young enough to where we were trying to find uh, uh, albums that had swearing on them that did not have the parental advisory Uh. sticker. And then we would count said swear words and then be super excited that we got a CD with like eight swear words on it that didn't have a parental (laughs) advisory. So this was one of those records. Um that's why I wanted to watch it. I have very fond uh, memories of the movie. That being said, adult me is not child me. <laughs> I got a couple things that I'm going to talk about here. First off, Godzilla pulls three boats underwater, three fishing trawlers at the same time. But one old man with a fishing pole hooks Godzilla and is able to hold on to the fishing pole until the fucking thing comes out of the water and at the city. And I was like, what the shit? I was just like, oh my god. Okay, this is the most inconsistent movie I think I've ever seen in my life. The size inconsistencies about, like, fucking Godzilla. Sometimes he's giant, and then he just fits in the Madison Square Garden. And he's just having a good time there and laying (laughs) eggs everywhere. Up in the rafters, laying eggs. Like, what the fuck? Okay? Second off, (laughs) it just devolves into the worst Jurassic Park ripoff ever. Like, after Godzilla dies, quote-unquote, you know, or so you think, It just turns, they're just raptors. And they literally take shot for shot multiple fucking scenes from Jurassic Park. And it's like, are they trying to pay homage to it? I don't know. It just looks like. But it's in New York City. Yeah, totally different thing. They managed to take Hank Azaria and make him unfunny. Oh, no. It's it's not good. The military. I think he might be the only one who survived this movie. I think. Career wise. I mean, Matthew Broderick has done some things, but Matthew Broderick, again, is one of the most inconsistent actors where sometimes he's really Hmm. good and sometimes it's like this dude, like what? The casting in this movie has some perfect casting, like people that were like perfect for the role, but also some people that are so fucking confusing as to why they picked. Like Matthew Broderick, you're like, oh, I guess I could get the fact that he's, you know, a a, a nerdy scientist, but he like the, the unnecessary comedic elements that they put into it just do not fit so many plot holes in the movie there is a paper ripping sound when concrete is splitting open i rewound it three times they just toned it down a little bit but it's paper ripping that is the sound effect that they decided to put in the military kills some good foley work concrete The military kills more people than the goddamn monster did. They're just shooting machine guns into buildings. Like, what in the hell? And the last thing I got to say about this is that, 
here, this might be the craziest thing. Roland Emmerich is the director. He directed Independence Day, arguably the biggest summer movie of the 90s, maybe one of the biggest summer movies of the 20th century. Okay, that movie was fucking huge. The promotion that went into that, Mm -hmm. everything about Independence Day, it was an an absolutely fantastic movie. You got Jeff Goldblum, Will Smith, all of it, right? Great movie. Andy Quaid even committed to being a crazy person for throughout time to seal that role (laughs) nailed it this is accurate and i mean the presidential speech is maybe the greatest presidential speech on film of all time and rhymes it would be a it would be a rap in (laughs) bullworth it'd be a rap in bullworth well independence day was followed up by godzilla i don't know if there is a bigger disparity from a director for hit to trash Mm. and the only people that i can think of are like i have one uh, 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 M. Night Shyamalan is maybe the only one. Hmm. I have one. I have one also. What do you got? Um, what's his name? Oh, my God. Well, I can't think of his name. Almost Famous Director. Somebody help me here. I got one. I got a couple of others as well, but I'm going to find the... Cameron Crowe. Okay. Cameron Crowe. Cameron Crowe. Cameron Crowe Crow okay. went from Almost Famous to Vanilla Sky. Vanilla Sky is just a dumpster fire abomination of a movie. Vanilla Sky's not that bad. It's I mean, not it's nearly as bad as Godzilla. Okay, fine. It's not that bad, but that was it, what came to mind. I'm just, I'm saying there are a couple actors or, or directors that did like some bad fall offs, but this is might be the biggest one. Another one is uh, Richard Kelly. He did Donnie Darko, and then his movie after that was Southland Tales, which is a dystopian black comedy featuring mm-hmm. an ensemble cast that includes The Rock. Sean William Scott, Sarah Michelle Gell- Sarah Michelle Geller, Mandy Moore, and Justin Timberlake. Yeah, but I that- watch that. Okay, what okay. Cast. Holy I want to see that shit. That sounds delightful. And you're right about that hash. But the, like, the funny thing is, is that like it's not that big of a follow off because all of those people and those names elevated like that movie. Like, yeah. there are fall offs from movies that are not like that. Yeah, I mean, another one would be Paul Verhaven, uh, uh, who did Basic Instinct and then followed it up with uh, Striptease. Or, I mean, mm. I'm sorry, Showgirls. Showgirls. And Showgirls is not a good movie. Oh, it's amazing. Couple, That's why. There... <laughs> All right. All right. I'm going to go back to this because I've said this before, but like only because my family, once again. But the fall off between this is a 70s thing, The Deer Hunter and Heaven's Gate. Is the biggest historical failure <laughs> that's, that's of on the all list. time. There is that's nothing even. Okay, fine. it's pretty big. It's big. Yeah, no, it's that's a, big. It's a big one. It is from the seventies, though. Also, uh, well, to which... Hash's original point, that director was given prime blockbuster slots for both, so that follow up was supposed to be huge. And Before... there's another. Go go ahead, Hash. Last one, the director that I was going to mention is Guy Ritchie. He did Lockstock and Two Smoking Barrels and Snatch, and then followed up those two giant hits, arguably the same movie, but right. still both hits. And then he followed that up with Swept Away. Yeah, I mean, I when you that. when you name a movie that I don't even know as their follow up, <laughs> I mean, this your example is really good because these are two blockbusters. Independence Day was as big as any summer movie I can think of, and then. Godzilla was supposed to be, and they really couldn't have made it any worse, any more boring. And I know you didn't touch on it, but 
possibly the worst leading lady of all time, the most uh, the most forgettable leading lady of all time. Don't know her name. She don't know her name again. You know, I just want a Razzie what? for that role. It like at first mm-hmm. when I found out, I was like, oh, she's not that bad. But the, like at the very start, but then she's she cute. has to like as she has to uh, uh, act with emotional complexity later on. Not good. The only other question I have for you guys before we move on is, what is a worse cliffhanger? The cliffhanger in Godzilla, which, you know, was supposed to lead to a sequel, or the cliffhanger in Planet of the Apes, Mark Wahlberg, that was supposed to, you know what I mean? Did you see the Planet, Mark Wahlberg, Planet of the Apes? It's no. like a it, super cliffhanger that's supposed to lead to, like, multiple movies and never did because it sucked. Three question marks? Yeah, Godzilla was, they uh, had a second and third in production and scrapped them. Wow. Yep. It's supposed to be with Matthew Broderick and the same gal. And that was mm. essentially the end of her career because she was supposed to go on and do those. I mean, why didn't they do it? They, they would have had to pay them nothing in their, you know. <laughs> Both of them could use the work, right? You'd think. All right, we're moving on. Moving on. To Friday, May 22nd, just three days later. Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas. Ron, this is right up your alley. Oh, man. Give it to us. Yeah, I didn't even need to rewatch this. I've watched it a thousand times to uh, on just about every drug I can mention. Uh, I've read the book a couple of times. Really, a lot of it is they don't really explain what's going on. What it is, he's a writer for uh, a freelance writer, and he gets contracted by somebody like Sports Illustrated to go cover a motorcycle race in the desert. So him and his lawyer buddy uh, decide that they're going to take on assumed names check into the hotel on copious amounts of drugs. So the whole thing is this fraudulent uh, Trump through Las Vegas under assumed names uh, with every drug under the sun. So like I referenced, they're just going around fucking with people. And one of the uh, reverberations from that is if you pay close attention, one of the drugs they get their hands on is this thing called adrenochrome, um, a thing they basically made up to fuck with people and scare uh, a bunch of white people in middle America. And now with this whole QAnon thing, we are actually still dealing with the adrenochrome. That is a thing that they uh, uh, are all on. So it's thanks Hunter S Thompson. The joke uh, still carries. Uh, yeah. It, it's just amazing the way it shot Terry Gilliam movie. I think he really nails uh, some of the drug shots uh, Johnny Depp, obviously, is perfect in the role. Benicio Del Toro is money. Just chock full of cameos. Sven at the front desk is just, you know, you got Toby Maguire as the hitchhiker. Amazing. Everybody came out of the woodwork to kick in on this one. And it, it does, for me, drag a little bit in the second half. Um, the first, first part so high speed. They, they just go through it. They're on acid. They're on coke. They're going through the desert, high speed and a ragtop. And then, you know, it bogs down a little bit, but for me, it's an all time classic. I said, the casting's amazing. The direction is perfect. Some of the shots, uh, me and my buddy still go to this day. We'll quote that thing back and forth. And, uh, that is a dog. So Ted Jansen. And that's also the dog over since, uh, there's two dogs. So two drinks. Well, I think that's a good time for a pee break. Uh, we're going to come back and get to Hash with Almost Heroes, which he misspoke as Almost Famous earlier today. Uh, we're still going to get to many other movies as well. 
Um, excellent analysis so far, everybody. You're listening to the Outsiders Social Club on the Half-Ass Podcast Network. Now you know that.